Welcome back for another helping of oysters, clams, and cockles. I'm your host, Ross Bolin, joined today, as always, by my buddy, Mr. Barrett Dudley, to bring you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast, packed with laughs. Barrett, if not for television, are you confident you would have run into the woods to join the children of the forest by now? Probably. I was uh, I was really close to doing that just yesterday, even with the television, so... You know, it's uh, it's hard out here for the pimps and the players. It is, and um, and the hoes, frankly, everybody. Yeah, right now. yeah, everybody. The whole, the whole uh, kit and caboodle, the whole gamut of all of the, the players, game. the players of the game. The only thing that we can do is bunker down in our closets and pee pop on a handstand. And I uh, don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> hey, man, I had the same thought. <laughs> Today we're discussing the latest from uh, Westworld, of course, the the penultimate episode of season three. I cannot wait. Also, the series premiere of 000 on Amazon so that my mom will get off my back. We're finally watching 000. If you have no clue what that is, it's cool. We'll do like relatively spoiler free for this first discussion. Um, Barrett's through the first episode. I've watched a few. I've been sucked in thoroughly. And uh, I can't wait to talk, to talk a little zero zero. Yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good shit, man. Oh yeah, it is. It's it's. I love drug stuff, man. So what? it's, it's I, it was yeah. Well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin our conversation about it. So we'll we'll get there. But I, I we'll just get into have, it in a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, first, let's talk about what we have going on patreoncom slash cockles in April and May. For those who don't know, we're obviously already a full three episodes in. To what we call the Night's Rewatch, which has returned. We rewatch seasons of Game of Thrones. We discuss them with uh, the full knowledge of people who have obviously finished the series. And uh, it's a blast. We're doing season eight. We've done three episodes. There are only six episodes in season eight. We've got, what, 750-ish members of the uh, Clam Fam slash Mollusk Militia, excuse me, slash Crustacean Nation in there. That's and right. it's, uh, we're, we're having good times, people. If you want to oh, yeah. be part of those good times, there's only one place to go, patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Ad-free, we cover each episode of Game of Thrones Season 8. Uh, Barrett, could you tell us, what, I remember, I feel like I remember something about both of your brothers? Yeah, well, uh, you know, it, this is a very special occasion for me, and the reason is, it's because both me brothers were soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> both of them, not just one. So not go to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Where we're uh, we're doing season eight. We just we just did what the long night, Barrett. Those yours? Those skis yours? Both, Both of them? them? <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what what was that? What did you say? Oh, we just did the long night. We just did the long night. Yes, which I which I had some. Uh, well, I don't know if they're scorching hot or not, but I definitely had takes on it, and and that's I the only place quite hot. The only place that you can uh, you can hear Ross and I have that discussion is on Patreon.com. Uh, this this week's episode over there, uh, you're going to have to be in the, um, you know... Mollusk the, Militia. The Mollusk Militia, which is the hyper-exclusive, um, ultra-niche, uh, real ones only tier. Oh, yeah. Biggest um, supporters of the show. And you can call in with your Game of Thrones rewatch hot takes, but you can also talk to us about devs and Westworld and any other of the, the Ozark and any of the other things that we have been... We've been talking about and chatting about and watching, so we that's it's always one of my favorite episodes of the month. Honestly, it really is. It's it's always fun to this. hear from from everybody else and you guys. No matter what you call in and talk about, it always leads to really interesting discussions about you know a whole bunch of other stuff as well. So 
Yeah, we do every month this hotline call extravaganza that's for members of the Mollusk Militia, our $10 tier on Patreon. You bet you support the show with $10 a month and you're in the Mollusk Militia and you get this episode of each month that's just a hotline that you and the Mollusk Militia have exclusive access to. You can call in about anything and everything you're watching or we are watching. And it is like, as Barrett said, one of our favorite episodes to do every month because it's just changing subjects the entire time from show to show to movie to movie from call to call and we get to hear all y'all's voices instead of just ours it's a lot of fun on patreon.com slash oysters clams cockles and the mollusk militia which again this week we're taking a break we're three in halfway through the home, halfway home on the nights we watch if you season eight, so we're doing yet, perfect time to catch up yeah so you have the weekend you have this full week to to watch the first three episodes and it's not that much short season so uh, yeah, very excited to close it out to do this uh, hotline call extravaganza on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Everything there is ad-free, by the way. You can join for just five bucks to join the Crustacean Nation and be a part of the night's rewatch. Or, as we mentioned, for that $10 tier, for those of you who really want to support the show, especially in a time of great need for us, uh, we appreciate it very much uh, for those of you who have the ability to do that. And you get that hotline call extravaganza as an extra special thank you each and every month. Right there on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Uh, moving forward, Westworld. Westworld. Penultimate. The penultimate, yes. Yes. Season three, episode seven. That's right. Barrett, I'm going to try to be objective for a okay. few minutes at the front be, here. Be, be objective. And I'm going to talk about Westworld objectively. Talk and then about I'm going to bring out the flamethrower again. Okay. What? Okay. The penultimate episode. Did mm-hmm. it check? Because you and I discussed this pretty, this, this season. In great detail last week. Yeah. What did this change how you feel about this season as a whole at all? Um. Yeah, I, yes, I, I think a little bit. I, I think was this it, a plus or a minus. I think this was a plus. Um. Let me just uh, uh, in in case we have not said it enough in our weekly discussions here about Westworld. I'm I'm not disliking the season. I'm enjoying many pieces of it. Most of all, when it just boils down into like a breakneck action movie with two robot chicks fighting to the death with the aid of dope ass drones like that. That's tight. <laughs> so don't. Yeah, so don't get me wrong. Like that stuff is a lot of fun. It's fun to watch. So that that that's like my 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 bird's eye view take on this season of Westworld. When it's just an action movie and delivers on that type of level, it's a lot of fun and pretty and, and pretty good to watch. The the what what is has been disappointing about this season is that they've continued to lean into like the vagaries and the puzzle box stuff and putting us behind, you know, six inches behind everybody else and add to that the fact that it's really, really difficult to care about anybody individually. Mm. And it's just, it just lacks like an emotional center to me. But I, I, I to some degree, I almost feel like that's the point, right? Like uh, they, they have to know that they have to know that, 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 that we're not really going to end up caring about any of these people all that much any of these people or these robots or whatever they or whatever the hell they are you that's know, the problem though man i i feel like that le- like 
if your show gets to a place where your audience starts trying to make excuses for you, you fucked up. Um, and, and every week now, it's like me, you, Jared, Serena, all the other Westworld viewers being like, yeah, that was trash, but what if, and it's like, no, dude, they just, don't, they just, I'm so with you. These, I'm, I'm enjoying this season. I think I feel like a lot of people come at me on Twitter and they're like, fuck you, bro. Season three rules. And I'm like, well, no, it doesn't, but it's also fun. I'm still enjoying it. The action shit, uh, the the absolutely ludicrous, illogical, technological stuff they've tried to insert. That scene, bro, Maeve and Dolores fighting with the help of those drones was at was both simultaneously incredible to watch and infuriating because it was so silly. Why does Maeve have a samurai sword? Why can't the drone shoot the roof off of the fucking thing? What, 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 <laughs> like... You, they're they're doing a good job of like coming up with these ideas for big picture scenes and cool action moments, but then they're not like taking the time to make them make sense, which is okay. It's just like Westworld season one, it set this standard for this show with the theories and the very specific uh, twists, right? Everybody wants it to be the smartest show on TV. It isn't even close. It's not trying to be that, I would argue. I would argue it is, they, we've said it so, several times, but they shifted towards action movie style here. And frankly, I, it doesn't look like they had a choice. Like they didn't have a story, very good story. Yeah, I, look, we're going to get to next week's episode and I'm sure there are going to be many, many pieces that we've been you know, that have been divvied out across the first seven episodes that are all going to come clicking together, right? I hope so. Like, that's, like, but that's that's kind of, again, I I don't love the way that they do that. I don't love the way that they keep, they drop the breadcrumbs throughout the first seven, seven episodes the whole time. The audience is just like, what the hell is going on with any of this? And then in the, in, in the finale, they finally say, and here's how, it's like they... They've they've dropped the puzzle pieces all on the board, right? But then they don't put any of them together for you the until season, the yeah. un- uh, for the whole season until the very last episode, and that's kind of th- that's that's not exactly what I want. I'd like to be able, I'd like to be genuinely figuring the, this out as we go, and then and then you know just saving the cherry on top for the finale, basically. But instead, they just kind of like scatter it all about. And then they don't round it all up and tell you tell you what's going on until the until the last episode. And that's what they've done. That's definitely what they did in season two, and they did that to some degree in season one as well. Um, look, uh, the uh, I, I just as far as plot goes, like I I kind of I did you watch the little blurb from Lisa and Jonah after this episode? I can't look at them in the eye anymore. So uh, I thought one of the things that made me appreciate the episode a little bit was uh, Lisa Joy talking about how whenever there is like, you know, some type of person or government or regime or group in an oppressive role, in a controlling role, the best way to hold on to that power is to pit the other good people that that would be the, you know, the revolution against one another. And I liked and I liked that take because earlier in the season, I, one of the things that I said was that I doubt Maeve ends up 
against Dolores because that doesn't really track. Like they should. And Dolores is saying as much in this episode. Like, why are you fighting with them? Like, we're 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 the ones that we're the ones that should be aligned here on this. And so it, it I, I think from, you know, from from that perspective of like consolidating and keeping power, it makes sense for these two to be pitted against each other because they should be the two leaders of their of of their kind, as Dolores would say. So I think that I, I think that we're still and obviously this this show has been renewed for season four, despite the conversation that we had a week or two ago about um about Lisa and, and Jonah's relationship with HBO potentially having been soured. But I, I do expect that whether it happens in this next episode or happens in season four, I do believe that Maeve and Dolores will eventually be fighting on the same team. And so it's it's cool to get their like their battle before they inevitably figure out that they should be working together. Yeah, that was fun. Um, I mean, again, there were lots of little fun moments, but it's like the overall, like Caleb being at um, Solomon, the, uh, I'm sorry, and if you're not watching Westworld, this will be fun. The (laughs) schizophrenic first attempt at a computer that would rule the world as God uh, that in fact actually ended up being mentally ill. Um, (laughs) it, It tells Caleb all this shit and Caleb's, Reaction is to become infuriated on this uh, this long uh, walking plank in front of the yeah yeah Solomon, and he says, "You piece of shit," <laughs> and that's that's what he came up with for the giant schizophrenic computer god that has just informed him that his entire life is a lie. Dude, it's really unfortunate when Aaron Paul has to get super pissed off about things that are out of control because you can't watch that scene and not just hear and see Jesse Pinkman like screaming at Walt. And it's just he's just look, man, one of my big complaints with this season is it does. I don't know if it's his fault or it's the character, but Aaron Paul has felt like a fish out of water almost like he is not up to snuff with these other people, in my opinion. I don't think that he has been his performance has been okay to me. I, I, I'm I don't really have an issue with his with his performance in particular. It's just that sometimes when he is given these kind of like you know emotional tasks, if you will, and he needs to do something like like get angry or get frustrated or scream at somebody or be really sad about somebody dying, it's you know, it's just it's one of the burdens with with having played such an iconic role is that you always get compared to that. Mm, and it's yeah. all kind of it's it's all relative to that. So when 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 you watch Aaron Paul with the tears in his eyes looking down at Francis, like you're just picturing him looking at his uh, dead ODing girlfriend. Right. Right. And when he's screaming at, uh, at at Solomon, you just picture him screaming at Walt for something that uh, that that Walt did, you know. Sure. Sure. So that so that's like that's Comparison. a tough road. And Jesse Pitt and I'm sorry, Aaron Paul doesn't have like enough range, I would say, to like, you know, take you out of that. Like Brian right. Cranston, Brian Cranston, for example, is a, a world class actor who can act up and down and all over the place and, and be anything really, really, really like morphs into a character. 
Aaron Paul doesn't have that sa- quite that same talent level. So we just we're seeing Aaron Paul, who is Jesse Pinkman, and and that that can be kind of jarring at times. And it's but like yeah, dude, it was all, every man. All, and and I I would also just say though to to in his defense, you give any actor a role where they have to scream at a French accented schizophrenic, schizophrenic AI robot. machine AI guy, and and I don't know how well it's gonna play, man. And and totally totally <laughs> fair, dude. To, in his defense, there have been scenes where I was like, "Okay, good. No, I think he can do this." And then there have been scenes where I'm like, "I can't tell if it's because they made him say these lines, or if it's because like I can't. He's just not able to take it to that next level." But a lot of this, it just felt a little. I just look. I find myself laughing at the show a lot when I'm not supposed to be now. And if I'm being real about it, it feels like this is a writer's room gone wrong. Like I don't know eh, what the situation is. It's just. Point blank, this isn't what I expected in terms of quality for Westworld. Um, See, they, it 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 kind of. I mean, like I, I was, I was hopeful that they would just like completely turn around the ship and and deliver something and and deliver something incredible. But this is about what I expected, man. Don't forget, season two was an absolute disaster. I don't ever. And but that's my well, thing. It's like remember True Detective, season one. Best episode or best season of any show, maybe uh, up there comp- competing with all the best of all time in terms of seasons, uh, especially debut seasons. Season two, utter and total bed shitting to the degree that we were all in shock. And I would argue season two of Westworld was not nearly the bomb that season two of True Detective was. It was just not good. We were all like, uh, okay. What now? The long-running theory, the the one with the most steam to it, is that season two was never meant to be. They wanted to do this season three, get out of the parks, but they needed time to get there. So we got season two. Now we're on season three. The premise of which is pretty dope. Like, all right, it's the whole world, and the whole world is run by this machine that this dude created because nuclear catastrophe was clearly going to destroy humanity. So if you're looking at it from a lesser of two evils standpoint. This dude, at least in his mind, is the only thing keeping the world around at all, much less uh, so it doesn't matter to him that it's a little uh, immoral that he's like controlling all these lives or whatever. The whole thing is just they had the premise. What they've delivered is poo-poo. A lot of really shitty lines with like some like – there's a look. Maybe you're right. Maybe you and Jared, uh, my co-host on, or my the host on Freeze on Motor Functions, rather. I'm his co-host. Maybe, uh, maybe y'all are right, and maybe a lot will click together in this final episode. But I don't think well, that's going to happen. What? What? I mean, and and look, it could be a total shit show in the final episode. I think what, it would what be. I, what I mean is that there is that they've saved the last episode to even begin to like attempt the clicking into place <laughs> like they never tried before this one yeah no i'm with you it's it's frustrating man it's a long it's a long road from westworld episode one season one dolores on the ranch uh to, to where we're at now i mean a road that there have been some fucked up i i hope they close strong i know we got renewed for season four Barrett, my long, my my big swing theory here is that uh, uh, we don't have Dolores anymore after this season, and that they're trying to hand the keys to Aaron Paul. Did you get that feeling at the end of this episode? 
Absolutely not. There is no Westworld without Evan Rachel Wood and Dolores. Okay, that's what Jared and, and, and Serena said too. Doesn't that alone become problematic? Like that we know Dolores is the show and she's not going anywhere? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess, I, I guess that's that's a fair, that's a fair take. Um, but but we just know that she's kind of indestructible in a way. Like 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 we've been told that she can die, but there's also zero point zero chance that like let's just say Maeve were to have ended her right there. You don't think there's a copy of her laying around somewhere? Like of course there is, man. Yeah, that's the problem. Is I don't like, know how you kill anybody. You're in the right, show. though. That that is an overall problem with the show. When we just talk about like our emotional attachment to people, we've just been we've been duped one too many times. Everybody is always savable because there's some type of downloaded information uh, that that encapsulates their brain, or they're a robot already, or they can become a robot, or like there's a copy of them somewhere, and we can just reprint their body a million times, and so it's just like. It's like it, it. It's a video game in that sense, in that these players die all the time, but they're never really dead. They just they just have like to respawn. Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, and so that's you know uh, again like I, I I don't know. This is an imperfect show with a lot of flaws and a story that doesn't really make sense all that much, or, or, or all, all that much of the time. We got we got a lot of moving pieces and um. You know, at the very least, it will be curious to see how they how they attempt to put a bow on these eight episodes as a season. Um, it, it's feeling more and more like this is was always meant to be. A, the fact that they went eight episodes makes me feel like this was always supposed to be a two parter. Mm. In terms like of feel, this story arc for the season. Yeah, like like I think this is this feels like the like season three A to me. And uh, season four, I, I would imagine, is going to be season three B, if you will. Okay. okay. Just as far as, like, you know, cohesive stories. Maybe that's part of it, is that they're trying to stretch. Because that's the overarching deal, right? That they had three more years, Jonathan Nolan and, and Lisa Joy, or they had three more something, installments. I'm not sure how their contract breaks out. But then they got renewed for season four, and it was like, oh, cool. But they already had them... It's like, look, if we want you, we have you, but we still have to renew the individual seasons if we want, if you're going to get paid like that. Or I, I don't know, but it's just, I was a little shocked, like, that they announced the renewal for season four in sort of the middle of what has been, I don't think anybody would argue a great, cohesive, easy to follow season of Westworld. So I'll give them this last week. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of the show still. Um... Am I a little peeved at, at, at Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy for kind of letting things get out of control here? Yeah, I'm a little peeved. But I mean, look, man, it's very difficult to do. They, if you're going to swing and you're going to swing big and you're going to try to make the most complicated, futuristic, question-asking show ever with season one like they did and they really succeeded there, then yeah, shit's going to get really difficult to manage in season two and three and down the road. And we've found that place. Um, fortunately, we've been able to get enough cool action scenes out of it to where I feel like I'm <laughs> satisfied episode by episode. I don't want to die, but it's also like in terms of story and in terms of like depth and emotional, um, like, like you said, like I don't find myself rooting for anybody. I don't care. They could kill any character and I wouldn't blink. I'd just be like, okay, 
Um, now, next scene, please. Like, I, I just, it's just, there's nothing there for me. I hope they're able to, to pull it together. Look, it's problematic when halfway through season three on your Westworld podcast, you completely lose hope. And I completely lost hope like three episodes into this season in terms of like whether or not they were going to be able to pull it off and make it something good. So will I give them the last episode? Yes. If they don't pull it together this next week, am I going to freak out a little? Yeah, man. Because then we got to do what? We got at least another season? They're just going to yeah. – and I can't stop watching. Like that's the thing. I can't stop. We're three seasons deep, bro. I can't abandon this fuck storm now. Well, and I mean it's 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 a – I mean, I guess this isn't saying a ton, but to its credit, it's good enough that you won't stop watching. For sure. So and it's it, one of so the it hasn't, so it hasn't gone full Homeland or Dexter for you. No, that's a very good point, and I will say eventually I did close out Dexter. I will never go back to Homeland. Never, unless you told me Carrie becomes a lumberjack in the series finale, then I would come back. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. Anyway, I mean, it is on. It is on Showtime. True. Uh, looking forward to the finale next week. We'll obviously be covering it in great detail on Freeze All Motor Functions, our Westworld podcast here at Bolin Media, hosted by Jared Borislow and co-hosted by myself. But Barrett and I will be touching on it in our general thoughts on the season as a whole, the finale, where Westworld stands, and what they've got to look forward to moving forward based on what we see in the finale next week, right here on your uh, regularly scheduled OCC programming. Today's episode of which is brought to you by Felix Gray Glasses. We all have our faces and screens constantly now from morning to night there is no cutting back more than ever we are so reliant on screens to stay in touch with friends and family to do business to do our jobs from nine to five barrett and i are zooming to get the podcast done i've got three screens in front of me literally uh pretty much 90 percent of the day at this point and too much screen time results in tired dry eyes headaches blurry vision you have trouble sleeping i've had i've worn contacts since i was like 14 years old and by the end of every day, especially living in Austin, Texas now, and when we have the allergies that we have, my eyes hurt, fam. My head hurts. I can't see shit. It really can mess with my sleep if I don't take care of my uh, my eyes. And and all of those symptoms have been decreased since I started wearing Felix Gray blue light glasses. They launched in 2016 with the singular focus of offering the most effective computer glasses on the market with all the quality of brand name designer frames. They quickly became the internet's favorite blue light glasses, filtering out 90% of high energy blue light, 99% of the harsh glare coming from screens. Felix Grays are awesome. Uh, every night, whether it's when I'm gaming or when I'm, I'm laying down to watch like 30 minutes or an hour of a TV show or whatever, maybe working some zero, zero, zero. I usually take out my contacts, throw on my Felix Grays, feel pretty much instant, instantaneous relief. And uh, they're phenomenal. Very good looking, by the way. I get compliments on them on Instagram all the time if I'm wearing them when I do like an Instagram story. Other brands use cheap blue light coatings that are ineffective and can chip or scratch. Felix Gray uses a proprietary blue light technology embedded directly into the lens. Available in prescription, non-prescription, and readers. Felix Gray has you covered with optical glasses for work and sleep glasses in the evening. Clinically proven to increase melatonin secretion when worn leading up to bedtime. Listen, we all need them right now. We're living the screen life. Why would you buy glasses from a company whose sole focus isn't making glasses? I trust Felix Gray because they make the best blue light glasses in the game. Go to felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC and get a pair of blue light glasses from the pose, pros, not the pose. Shipping and returns, totally free. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash OCC. Felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC. Check out the uh, Faraday frames or the Nash if you're looking for a couple of styles to start with. All right, moving on, Barrett. This week... We started a new show. We've been asking ourselves, we what did. are we going to yes, watch? Yes. 
And uh, this is one zero, zero, zero with no spaces, okay? Capital Z's all the way through, zero, zero, zero. Still don't know why it's named that. Do you? Uh, um, that's because uh, it's a little known fact that a kilo of cocaine actually weighs 0.0.0 pounds. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. But it's a kilo. Yeah, that's dude. This is why that that it's it's just one of those crazy facts that's uh, that's out there. I can't tell if you're fucking with me. <laughs> it makes no sense. Why is it called this? Zero zero zero. Why is it titled that? Oh wait, somebody you're asked. Probably gonna spo- you're probably gonna spoil yourself. Oh, dude. Okay, this is this is interesting. Um, Did you just spoil yourself. No, but essentially the zero 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 is the is like to represent the purest cocaine on the market. Ah, uh, I guess it's zero 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 point zero zero percent impurity, maybe, maybe something or something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Well, mm-hmm. anyway, the premise for zero 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 again, it's on Amazon Prime. Is uh, it's a crime drama, um, and it fo- what's cool about here's the way I would describe it. It's like. And I've said this several times, so you'll have to excuse me if you've heard me say it. But it's like if uh, if HBO, and again, it's on Amazon Prime. If HBO decided to do Narcos, like if they wanted to take a shot, it's like Narcos, but darker to me and less like kitschy and like we've got a narrator who says fun stuff. And instead it's like there's darkness and like you're going to see seriously vicious murders and like shit's very, very fucked up here. Um and it's, I mean, it's got the vibes of like stuff like traffic or like mm. stuff like uh, movie traffic phenomenal movie, um, mixing in elements of like, I don't know, blow and like, it's it's very stylized. If you've not watched it yet, uh, and by that I mean it's like they they in the very in the first episode they kind of introduce how they're going to like break down the segments of the show, right? And so there's the buyers, the sellers, the deal makers. And it's like there's there's these individual kind of like functional groups in the cocaine game, and like they they pop they pop that on the screen, right? The buyers, yeah, oh yeah. And like then Straight we like di- then we dive in, and so it's it's very almost like a, almost like a Guy Ritchie movie or Snatch or something like that that uh, that I think's done that type of stuff before. Um, with you know with the stylized visuals on screen, kind of telling you what a little bit about what you're watching. Um, but it's, look, man, it's just always like, why, why is the mob and organized crime and drug trafficking so compelling? That is what, that is what I found myself wondering as I sat down to watch this because it's like five minutes in and I'm like, oh man, I'm so in for this. Yeah. And then, and then that was only when they, that was only when I knew that we were, had, had Italy involved. Well, of course, of course, then they bring in Mexico as well. Yes. <laughs> so it, it, we're not just getting the Italians. We're getting the Italians and the Mexicans. And that's, I mean, and the Americans, because the that's Americans the- are the are brokering the deals. So it's um, it's just really, it's like, they were like, you know what's cool about The Godfather? The Italians. You know what's cool about Narcos? The Mexicans. You know what's cool about the Americans? Not that much, but we'll throw them in anyway. <laughs> Dude, it's the best. Uh, seriously, that's the point where this show... I guess We're blow. I guess show. blow had the, had the had the Americans had some Americans. Yeah, sure. Uh, but watching the show, the second they brought in Mexico too, 
I was like, because we we saw Italy, we saw the Italians, we said, mm-hmm. we're like, okay, cool, this is interesting, this is different, this is very strange. The Godfather situation in Italy, he's like hiding in this bunker. Um, it, it, anyway, but then when we get introduced to Mexico too, and you're like, oh shit, we're gonna get both sides. Like, and then you obviously have the Americans, and I love this this dude, this uh, the son. Um, Dang I gotta be God, careful what I say. Yeah. Name. He's he's been in so much random shit. Mm-hmm. He's great. He's he's yeah. I like him a lot too. And he's phenomenal. Every time I've seen him in something, he doesn't appear to have like aged at all. I don't no, know. No, he's was yeah. He, he, but he is that type of actor. He's probably like he's he's been in the game for ten years now. I think. But he just looks um, the same. And and he's probably like thirty two now, but he still looks the exact same as he did when he was twenty two. So he's just one of those one of those cats that uh that done, that's that's um. You know, he's, he's got aging. He's aging well. Yeah. Here's your uh, here's your premise for the whole show. And if this doesn't sell you on it by itself, then I don't know what the hell is your problem. It's one sentence. Here it is. Chaos ensues. I'm done. I'm good. Chaos ensues while a shipment of cocaine is smuggled from South America to Europe. I'm in. This is huge. Love it, um, Barrett. What all? I guess. What's the spoiler-free version of the setup that you, if you were pitching this show to somebody, why they should watch it one episode in? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it. Look, it's I, I've pretty much said it in 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 a bunch of different words, but this has all your favorite stuff from like any drug trafficking, mobster, like organized crime, like. It, it, so if if you like The Godfather, if you like Scarface and Sopranos, even I would argue Sopranos and, uh, and movie, the movies stuff. we just named like Traffic and Narcos on Netflix and uh, it's got a crash um, feel to it a little too. The, the movie darker. the the what, what the I'm 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 slipping on the the movie with uh, Emily Blunt and um, Sicario. Oh yeah. Oh it's, yeah, it's, it's got the Sicario vibes because uh, you've got the Federales involved as well. Oh yeah, um, I mean, so it's just it's it's all that. It's like a pumped up drug thriller, and it's it, I don't I've I've I'm only sixty minutes in. I've only watched the first one, but but if that's a that should probably be enough to hook you. It, it's also got isn't it funny how like every intro over the last six years for TV shows like they all borrow from each other. I, I wish I wish we could track it back and decide exactly who put this on the map, but it's kind of like I want to say the vi- I want to say the first to do it was kind of um, True Blood, and then True Detective really took that up a notch with like the backwoods, like you know, kind of like southern imagery. But then they added in like all the over the top uh, overhead visuals of highways and stuff, and then Westworld brought us into like the close ups of these weird like objects and everything. And the uh, and the orchestral music, uh, and and now that's just what everybody does for an intro. <laughs> yeah, like, it does ha- feel like. Have you noticed that the that that how this intro just feels like an amalgam of all the other cool intros? Honestly, I think we've just kind of hit that point, right? Where it's like every possible cool version of the intro has been done for twenty <laughs> years. Nobody gave a shit about the intro. Then suddenly HBO and Netflix, and it was like, oh god, we gotta. The Game of Thrones intro really changed things. I feel like, man, it was even the Sopranos. You could argue it was like 
intros that really get you into the show, that mm -hmm. slide you into that place you need to be to enjoy it, and that and that really stand out and that give you. But yeah, this one feels like it's like a cluster combo of all the all, all the elements that you would want or whatever. But it's but cool I'm, because there's cocaine flying across the screen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, as a guy who like did a bunch of drugs back in the day, I don't know if that like plays into it. I really don't think it does. It's generally just that I, I think we as a culture, to answer your question, we're obsessed with stuff like uh, organized crime and the, the market for drugs and because it's a huge part of human behavior. We all yeah. seek these drugs and alcohols and substances and prescription drugs to... Uh, help us cope with what, with what we see as a very difficult situation in life. And the funny, crazy element of that is these organizations handling the international uh, drug trade are, are chaos. And it's just fucking, it's madness. It's, the, it's crime at the highest and most dangerous level. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I also think to, to some degree, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it, it's, it's almost like alien in a way because it's something that we think is out there that we kind of, but although, uh, except for in this case, we know it exists. Sure. But we never see it. We never actually, in our day-to-day -day lives, you never see this shit going down. Barry, you and I you are ne never going to end up on like a cargo ship filled with cocaine. It's just not going to happen. Right, right. So it's just kind of like, it's it's just, it's knowing that this is out there, that, that things like this legitimately happen and that these deals are actually brokered and that people are l really hiding drugs into packaging containers and shipping them from Mexico to Italy and like, and that, that there are people, you know, in the underbelly of, of maybe even your own city that are working to like bring drugs in and, um, it's just it's just wild to think about, and maybe it's not always quite so glamorous and and cool and action movies esque, but uh, but it, but it's out there and it's happening and it's just like I think it's so I, I, when we see it on screen, we're just like we're it's crazy to try to wrap your head around around the fact that that, that it uh you know it's it's a seedy underbelly that that is actually out there. I'll give you last thing I'll say about zero zero zero, and it's that so you just hit the nail on the head with like. All the all my favorite movies and and all my like The Godfather even you could argue glamorizes organized crime. Um, Blow glamorizes it. Does it end with the sad prison scene? Yeah, but nobody gives a shit. You don't remember <laughs> that. You remember the you know uh, him and his boy who can't find any more money on the or more room to put money on the book. That's what you remember. You remember like the dope scenes, not like him in the prison at the end with his daughter or whatever. For zero, 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 and this is where I'll compare it to like Crash, it sets up like this, ooh, crime, sexy crime, cocaine, Italy, Mexico. And then by episode three, you're like, oh, this shit sucks for everybody involved. <laughs> like everybody involved is miserable, constantly on the edge of death, like dealing uh -huh. with the most high stakes, intense brutally nerve-wracking situations uh, at every given moment they could end up in prison for life or dead and that's where like zero 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 really goes it it in in that the combination of elements mexico where the system is so crooked that all the cops and federales are like there's so many of them involved in this shit italy where it doesn't feel like there ever was cops in the first place what the fuck is happening <laughs> this is like a free just the mafia just runs italy like I, in the combination of that with america and looking into this family and sort of um by the end of episode one you're sort of familiar with the familial you're f familiar with the familial 
setup there. Wow, that yeah, was a yeah. tongue twister. Um, it's a lot to play with, and it's it's super cool. Zero 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 on Amazon. So, Barrett, what do you want this. to talk through next week? Tell me this real quick. Um, it, through three episodes, and mm-hmm. this is no no spoilers here. The, yeah, yeah. the very first episode opens with this. Um, do we learn why Don Minu has been trapped in a bunker in Calabria, Italy? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it it starts with the the sort of vague explanation for why, and then it gets uh, it gets crazy quickly. Um, okay. I'll just say that. Yeah. yeah, my my last thing it's just like you know you talk about how some of these movies and these shows they they do glamorize the lifestyle, but I think unlike a lifestyle that we typically think of as glamorous, like being a professional athlete or being a movie star or being a rock star, something like that, we can all kind of envision ourselves in those roles a little bit, right? Like, oh, that's a life that I that I could live. You I know? could dunk a basketball. I, yeah, I, that that'd be great. I'd love to be super famous and and dunking basketballs. Sure. Um, on the flip side, we see this, and it's like it it's it's it is glamorous. It is there's something that um is attractive uh, about it. The the clandestine nature of it, the secrecy, the crazy amounts of money, the it's a bad boy lifestyle. It's a bad boy lifestyle. At the same time. This is it's it's not something that any of us can really from that most of us can actually picture being a part of. Like, are you crazy? Like, like, like these people are this close to death. I'm I'm holding my fingers up to, sh- to indicate a very small very close. space all the time. You yeah. are always like one step away from just getting murdered. <laughs> no, that's the difference. So it's, if that's somebody the, came that's up the to crazy, you, you know. Yeah, if somebody came to you and said, Barrett, you could be right now. You press this button. And you're LeBron James. You're on right. a basketball court. You're LeBron James, and you have to run the team, and you're the most important player in the NBA. You'd be like, okay. Yeah. They were like, Barry, you press this button, and you're the number one <laughs> narco drug dealer in the entire world. You wouldn't just go, fuck yeah, dude. You'd be like, wait a minute. Let me think about this. No, thanks. Because it's yeah. in- like, dude, yes, there are elements of it that are in- like, yes, the bad boy lifestyle, the women, the money, the sexiness of it all. But then like this show, yeah, you're like, dude, Don Mino is in a fucking hole in the ground, bro. <laughs> like he's Saddam Husseining at the front end of the show. And that doesn't look enjoyable at all. To the point that he like literally is like, fuck this. I can't do it anymore. I'm coming out. If I die, I die. Like yeah. uh, it, it, it's. And to imagine, to your point, like yeah, this I'm- is one of the things. Go ahead. I'm not trying to get my cabeza eaten off by a pig, man. Fuck no, dude. A massive monster <laughs> pig, bro. Fuck no. But this is one of the things The Wire did so well that made it so good was it showed you, okay, we have a society where there's crime. Now, how is that crime sort of uh, filtered through the system? And this is sort of that, right? It's like you imagine in your head, you know as an American, well, this is real. Because drugs do get into the country. Sometimes I purchase them. Now, what does that look like? And literally, that means that on several levels, city, state, I don't fucking know, shipping yards, docks, whatever, companies in some places, corporate ties, like people are doing very illegal shit to ensure that that drug trade continues on a daily basis. Somewhere people are making very dangerous decisions. And that reality is sort of... uh, I mean, made uh, at least through, let's say, through episode one, you're presented with a situation where you're going to explore that reality. And that's fun. Yep, absolutely. Zero, 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 Amazon Prime. Barry, you want to watch through episode three next week? Can you do uh, more? W- no, we can do, we, we can we can bump it up. You're already through three. I think we can, at the very least, uh, we'll get through four, I would say. Okay. 
Okay, and let's, let's um, say four. we'll do it through episode four, and uh, we'll keep you updated on Twitter if if by some miracle we're we're past four. For sure, y'all holler at us. By the way, uh, with your excitement levels for zero 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 on social media, also any other shows that you're like y'all have to watch, always come at us with those. And to close out today's episode, we are going to do top five Christian Bale movies. Um, man. Christian, but we like to do top fives here. We've done a lot of actors, actors and actresses. It's been a minute, so we're mixing one in. And I got to tell you, dude, again, when you look at it, this is a guy, Christian Bale's. Barrett, how many actors do you think there are that deserve living actors that deserve more credit? Or like he's in the A fucking top tier, most respected group of actors on the planet to me after looking through his list. Well, here's what I can here's what I can say to to that end, um, I, and I don't want to give too much away because this was a a, a a Patreon exclusive episode that we did. But when we did our top five living actors, you know, top five right now living actors, we did that. We casting did, we did a movie, yeah. yeah, right. We did that for the men. We did it for the women. We did the men first. It was a couple months ago. You should go check it out if you haven't already. Patreon.com slash oysters clams cockles. Um, I, I won't say where he fell on our list, but I will say he was probably, at the end of the episode, I think he kind of came out a, a big winner of that discussion. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and with that reason being, man, when I'm going through and I'm trying to pick five, he is a div- he is a challenging actor. And the thing about Bale you don't realize, that most people don't realize, I think, Yo, he was a child actor. Like, Christian yes. Bale has been on the silver screen since he was a, a young boy. Yes, he has. And in, in some so, I mean, really random shit that you will never, ever remember. I mean, he has done a bonkers amount of movies, dude. When you go look at a Christian Bale, like, top Christian Bale movies. <laughs> well, there's there's 50 of them. Like, yeah, yeah. He never stops. and. He has so many performances. One of the things that he's really started to get credit for, Barrett, is his ability to morph his body. Like for the the machinist, where he dropped sixty two pounds to become this like tortured, delusional, uh, everyman machinist who's losing his fucking shit. In Vice, he puts on however much weight to be Dick Cheney. Yep, and uh, he put on a bunch of weight for American Hustle. Um, he obviously packs on, uh, and he, he lost a ton of weight for the fighter, the fighter with, as Wahlberg's brother, he packs on muscle for roles like the, like, like the, uh, like the dark Knight trilogy. So he, he has an, an uncanny ability to, to do that, to manipulate his body in, in those ways. And, um, frankly, I just hope that it doesn't lead to any long-term health problems because we need this guy around for the next 30 years. Yeah. Christian Bale. I mean, look, it's like him and Leo in terms of like, who's going to be our Jack Nicholson? Like, who's going to be my dude who when I'm older, when I'm 50 years old, I'm like, that was like the best to ever do it. And he's mm-hmm. like sitting courtside at Lakers games or whatever. And I don't know if Bale's that type of dude where he would even end up like that. But like, man, he's just done so many performances that have like literally impacted my life. Some of my favorite movies I've ever, ever, ever watched. And he's been doing it like... I'm not gonna. This isn't in my top five. Empire of the Sun came out the year I was born. It was directed by Steven Spielberg, and it came out in the year I was born. Christian Bale was giving performances already, 
that I would argue are like classics on the silver screen. He was a child, Barrett. Yeah, yeah, he was, man. Great movie. Oh, he also did like the OG Little Women, but like, and again, The Machinist is one that when you watch it, like it's not in my top five Christian Bale movies, but it was incredibly impactful to watch him play, uh, what, Trevor Resnick. Fucking looking like he's about to die at any moment. The Dark Knight. Have you seen Ford versus Ferrari yet? Haven't watched it yet. So that, yeah, nor have I. So that one will obviously is, is, is not in consideration for our top fives because we haven't seen it yet. But I mean, by all accounts, he's great in that. Another, an, another, you know, another notch on the belt just as far as like really, really solid films to his name go. I think a lot of people I know, um, one of our buddies, in fact, Everett and our, and our group texts, our high school friend, people have uh, immediately slotted that into like his top five for a lot of people who have seen it. Have you seen Hostels? I have not seen Hostels. Haven't watched Hostels yet either. So it's like two there that I think are probably very good bail movies that I can still mix in. But I've seen so many movies with this dude in it. It's just bonk. Let's just jump into our five. You want okay. like Because there's too many to even dude. Yeah. Like what ended up being your number one Christian Bale movie? Um, You want to start with number one or you want to start from the bottom? I, I kind of want to start with my one. But okay. we can start five. No, Go no, five. No, we'll, Go five. No, we'll, we'll, you want to, let's start one. Let's start one. Mine, it, it's it's The Dark Knight. Okay. And here's why. That was one of a, a, a probably, excuse me, handful of movies that when I watched it um, from the opening scene to the, la- to the end, I was enthralled on the edge of my seat. Uh, every single character crushed. Heath Ledger obviously giving his um, final, you know, performance, or I guess it wasn't technically his final performance, but the last one we really, really remember him for before his unfortunate, untimely passing at the young age of 28. Yo, this is one of my favorite movies ever made. Um, to take Batman, which on its on its face is a very simple and silly concept, a grown billionaire man deciding he wants to fight crime by dressing as a bat because uh, he was impacted as a child by the uh, this whole situation. Yo, making that as cool as they did is not easy. I don't think people give them enough credit for... That that the Dark Knight trilogy, man, is it, it might have gotten a little weird at the end. Those first two movies are two of my favorite movies ever made. The Dark Knight and and what Christian Bale was able to do with Batman and to sort of like not try to do too much. Let Heath Ledger be able to play off of like the more stable character that is Bruce Wayne. And he just positioned himself so perfectly. And it's like, I think that was probably his biggest movie in terms of commercial success. It's just the one that, end of the day, if I'm ranking Christian Bale movies, even if it's not because of the skill displayed, it ends up being my number one because of the impact it had on his career, on American cinema, on me. Uh, uh, Christopher Nolan obviously became like, that was like, if he wasn't already, when, when was Inception? It made him a household name. This run he was on there during the Dark Knight sort of uh, era, I would argue. Anyway, so that ends up being my number one, which is probably not a, a popular pick for like purists, acting Wait, well, purists. I don't think a, Christian Bale wasn't in Inception. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was not an Inception. Don't know why I thought that for a second. Um, thank you for the correction. <laughs> but yeah, no, he, uh, him doing like, we're, <laughs> him doing his terrible Batman voice like should not be 
my number one. That's how good The Dark Knight is. But the I just Dark, I loved it. The Dark Knight is is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, it is it, it is pro. It's up there in that that list of films where if it's like if I'm scrolling through looking for something to watch and it's on a TV channel and I put it on, I'm like locked in for however yep. much is left. Yeah, you know it it's it stays on. It, it's it's just a fantastic movie in every way. Um, it's not, it's on my top five. It's not my number one for the reasons that you already outlined for it to not be a number one Christian Bale movie. It doesn't, it's not the best showcase of his talents. No, now, it isn't. I'll, I'll agree with that. I still have a fan favorite as my number one. This movie, probably more impactful to my life overall than The Dark Knight. Um, just as far as its impact on pop culture, its um, modern day memeability, uh, it's classic, classic one-liners that still get brought up and used today. And it is ah, the ju- prestige. And it is just <laughs> and it is just a wild, wild story where Christian Bale really, really does shine. You know I'm talking about American Psycho. Oh yeah, that's my number two. <laughs> which which you could argue makes it my de facto one. Um <laughs> same reasons, man. And obviously he gets to showcase a little more in this one, but it's a very strange character. Uh, the whole story is bizarre. American Psycho, though, Barrett. I wonder if it's this way for everybody. If it's just white people, like we, we, because we were in, we grew up in a, in a in a place and in a time where we had an understanding for this sort of like eighties, like money fueled madness that took place before our time, right? Like in this in this sort of weird toxic area of American history in the eighties where people were figuring out like excess and like success and what it meant and like power suits and fucking cocaine and like building skyscrapers and we're doing it in Ferraris. That whole time period being sort of encapsulated with this insane story of Patrick Bateman, whether or not any of it even happens in his sort of a fantasy world of he's just miserable. This dude is, he's a miserable human being going through life as like a trust fund guy who's had everything handed to him and we never see him do any actual work, which is one of my favorite things about this movie. Uh, He just shows up to work and like turns on this 80s TV and kicks his feet up on the desk. Yeah. This is one of the goats. It's it's such a perfect picture of the excess and the... um, the insanity and the profitability of those boom times in the late eighties through the through through the mid nineties, basically, like that was it, it, economically that that was one of America's greatest periods of just like everything was working. Salaries were through the fucking roof. Like everybody was getting paid. Like, and of course, this is all. This should all be. It's twenty twenty now. We know a lot more. Not everybody was getting to enjoy that success, and we of know course, that. obviously. But but but, but the but, image of it in America, but yes. But this, but that world especially, and it trickled down to a lot of other industries where people were just making insane amounts of money, and um and uh and really for not doing anything. Like this, it was just all kind of just a a, a big show. And it just, it captures that so, so perfectly. And at the same time, it's almost like we were talking about with uh, with the drug trafficking stuff. Like, it's glamorous. It, it looks amazing. But what American Psycho does so, and there are parts of it that we still, of that movie that we still utilize to, like, showcase, like, how cool, like, we we like to talk about business cards because of, Amer- of American Psycho, right? 
You know, we we the the the, the style of dress, the 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 swanky suits, the attaches, like the the great apartment, the the um. This was a 1980s book, and the dude is talking about his skincare routine, right? Like, yeah. like, there's so many things that we still hold on to from that, but at the same time, it does paint this picture of like how morally rotten these people can be, and, and how in- how insane and depraved that lifestyle can make them. It's so funny because it's like we obviously hit the point in this last five, ten years, Barrett, where people really started to despise Wall Street at different points, and there was a lot of real anger towards uh, towards this sort of economic system in America, right? Yeah, yeah, this absolutely. predates all that, man. Yes, this is like totally. People were were loving it. It was the height of stocks and stonks and fucking money, money, money in America. <laughs> And it's so funny that this movie has translated so well because obviously it's a lot of tongue-in-cheek like these guys are douchebags and assholes and the worst totally. people on earth. Yes. And you have to pull that from it. Like the first time I watched it, I was like, these guys are tight. Now watching it 40 times and being 32 years old, I'm like, these guys are the worst. And it's like, <laughs> it's still entertaining as shit from a different angle. And then to have Bateman be this totally unhinged, possibly insane uh, serial killer on top of that, Sort of just derailing in the midst of like meaningless, excessive life. That is a, a feeling I think a lot of people can identify with. And as a result, American Psycho is translated into this timeless film, one of his all-time performances, and just a great piece of like Americana forever encapsulated now in that movie. What was yeah. your number two? That was my number two. Um, so my number two is The Fighter. And uh, this is this is the film where Christian Bale did win his Academy Award for supporting uh, actor. Correct? Let me let me double check my uh, facts. Yes, two thousand eleven for, well. for, for best supporting actor. Um, and it's it, out of all the ones where he kind of goes like crazy, uh, but with with the body change and like just really sinks into a role where Christian Bale is Christian Bale is unrecognizable. And he just like delivers a perfor- a performance that kind of like shakes you because it's so, it's so realistic. It's so it's just real. Yeah, it's just real. The, this one is the. It's my top out of his roles where he does that. Yeah, it doesn't feel um, overboard. It feels spot on. Less like, look when he has to put on like an 80 piece to play Cheney. Like that's a fuck ton of weight. <laughs> when he loses 70 pounds to play the machinist, like he looks like he's going to die in both <laughs> situations. You're like, okay, that dude's heart could explode at any moment. Okay. That dude literally might die if he doesn't eat something. This one feels real, like a mentally unhinged uh, drug addict brother. And the way that he does, like it's my number five, the fighter. Um, and it's because like, I have to have it in there. But I've only seen it the one time, and he won the Academy Award for it, and it was brilliant and an incredible performance. It's a great movie. It's just not a film I've revisited a lot because and, it's sort of and, like, and I don't need to. That's totally fair. And that's one of the, you know, uh, these rankings of these films are, are subjective. They're really just an opportunity yeah, yeah. To, talk, to talk about his, oh, his, best, sure. his best work. I've only seen it once. I don't really have any interest in going back to watch it. Me but either. I feel, but I feel like a guy like Christian Bale, we talk about how brilliant of a performer he is. I just feel bad if I don't put something. If, if, if so, I, so I'm choosing what I personally thought was his best, like, you know, actor's actor role, right? Sure. I, I got to put that up high. So that's that's why Fighter is up there. 
So I gave you my one, The Dark Knight, my two, American Psycho, my five is The Fighter. I'll just give you my three and four, and you can t- tell me the rest of your list. Fill it out quickly for us. The uh, My number three is 310 to Yuma, and my number four is The Prestige. Now, I do want to be clear about something. The Prestige holds a weird place in my heart. I do not know why. It is it is not the best movie from a plot and storyline standpoint that he's ever done. Uh but in terms of like, I, my list is essentially based on rewatchability in the order of which I've seen them the most. The Dark Knight the most, American <laughs> Psycho the second most, uh, 310, then The Prestige, then The Fighter. Uh, obviously, The Fighter, uh, like I said, not one I've rewatched. 310 to Yuma, one of my all-time favorite Westerns. I love Western movies. I love Russell Crowe. I love Christian Bale. Anytime they're on screen together is a win for me. And when it's in 310 to Yuma... It results in one of my favorite westerns, and sort of. I just, I love the story. I love the movie. I love the way it plays out. I love the cast. Who, who was the director of Three Ten? You said. Ooh, let me look it up. Oh wait, I, wait. Who, who, what, what were you saying, Christian Bale? I said uh, liked him in Three Ten to Yuma because why? James Mangold. Mangold. Mangold is the uh, is the director. But um, what, did, what did you say about him being on screen with somebody? Russell Crowe. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Russell Crowe and him uh, tend to make to make the magic. Do they have they have, what what other shit have they done together? That I'm I, I don't know. Russell Crowe and That's why I thought you were talking about a director. No, maybe this is the only thing they've done together. Um but their their chemistry well, you, you is You like incredible. their dynamic. Yeah, I got you. Oh I my god. You. Yeah, Love 310 to Yuma. I've probably seen it 20 times. Um and the prestige is this, is the same sort of boat. It's just an incredibly cool movie with a, with an unbelievable cast. I love Michael Caine. It, it's a it's just a it's a classic, and it, it's one of those weird ones that came out at the same time as another movie that, that was the exact same. It was like the fucking. It's the dude you hate from. Uh, yeah, isn't it? Is Edward Norton? Edward Norton. He had a magician movie. It, at yeah, the exact the, same like, time. Is it called The Illusionist? Yes. And like you either saw one or the other, and I feel bad yeah. for everybody who went with the illusionist because it was not the winner, man. The prestige was the winner here. The prestige was the winner for sure. So, so that rounds out my five. It's the Dark Knight, American Psycho, Three Ten to Yuma, the Prestige, and the Fighter. And again, I want to be clear; those are based on like rewatchability and where I think they'll like land for me if I'm sure. dying on my deathbed and, the, and picking those my Those are babe. all good. Those are all very good Christian Bale performances. I'll just before I give you the rest of my list, I'll I'll tell you that. 310 to Yuma and The Prestige are my last two out. Like I have them written down. They just they just didn't quite crack the top five, but they're they're number six and seven for me for sure. Um so at three for me, I've got American Hustle. Uh I, I liked American Hustle a a, an, a ton. I, I walked out of the theater thinking that was one of the best movies I'd ever seen. Um for whatever reason, I feel like it had people don't think that it's aged well, and I I, I need to go back and revisit it. Um, but it, it's it's just an amazing cast with Christian Bale and Amy Adams and Bradley Cooper, uh, and David I, David O. Russell, fantastic director. This is one of his best works. And again, this is this is a this is a role where Christian Bale, like his Christian Baleness, definitely shines through. Yeah, but he's he's also he doesn't look like Christian Bale. You know, he gained a little weight for this one. He's got the balding head. You know, he's kind of a con artist. The fucked hair. Yeah. The, yeah. So it's just a lot of fun to watch him 
sleaze around. You know, it sleaze around. In the fighter, it's 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 like that character that he plays is it's is painful. A, is pain. It's painful. Yes, exactly. And this one, it's fun to kind of watch him just kind of you know. Hey man, um, you 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 touched on something though. Swashbuckle around. What is the? Why isn't this talked about more? I mean, I'm just gonna put it as my six now that we. I'm looking through uh, screenshots. Same thing. When I left this movie, I was like, "Wow, that was one of the best things I've ever seen." And I feel like nobody talks about it. We don't really rewatch it. It's got everything I need to rewatch it. It's, I mean, plenty of J Law boobs. If it's just perversion that you're in need of, what the hell? Oh yeah, why Jennifer isn't this talked? Thank you. Yes, yes Amy. Of course. Amy, uh, yeah. what's her name? Oh my god, Amy Adams. Dude, this is this cast is like as good as it gets. And yeah, it's 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 incredible. So you're now, saying now that it, it hasn't aged well? I don't know. I feel like in I feel like you know it was nominated for Academy Awards, right? Uh, Best Picture. I'm pretty sure it didn't. I'm not. It didn't win, but it was nominated. Um, I, I feel like I just saw it mentioned in some in some stuff recently, where it was like, I, I don't know. People thought that that it wasn't as good as we originally thought, or something like that. Wow, I, that'd be I'm a not bummer. Sure. I de- uh, listen to all these nominees though. Best Actress, Amy Adams. Best Supporting Actress, Jennifer Lawrence. Best Actor, Christian Bale. Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, Bradley Cooper. Best Original Screenplay, David O. Russell. Best Director, David O. Russell. Best Film Editing, Best Costume Design, Best Production Design. They were nominated for all of those at the Academy Awards and did not win a single one of them. But maybe uh, look, I'll I'll try to find what I what is giving me this impression that people have were were kind of like sa- have had soured on it. Maybe I can pull something up. Maybe I had a dream and this never happened at all. I don't know. But it's an a, it's a great film that I need to go rewatch. And us talking about it uh, is is making me really want to do that. So we'll have to see well, if it's on. Slave took all the awards, by the way. If it's on uh, if it's on streaming. Um, the next one for me four is where I'll put the Dark Knight and just Batman Begins and the and all of the it, uh, yeah. and and all of it. But uh, but the Dark Knight especially. Look, he those films are the best Batman films, and to that end, he's the best Batman. Uh, he captures Bruce Wayne um, better than anybody, I think, in the fact that he he's he's perfect as the suave rich boy. But he is like hard enough and 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 big enough and muscular enough and grounded enough Dark to be enough. and yes to be like the brooding Batman as well. And so other Batmans along the way, like Michael Keaton, like captured some of the humor maybe a little bit better. George Clooney obviously uh, captured the nipples a little bit better, and um, and Ben Affleck captured um, not much, but but you know. <laughs> Christian Bale, man, he he is. It's like we talked about with Bond. Like for me, Daniel, for me, Pierce Brosnan is Bond. Even though the Daniel Craig movies are all are my favorites, and I like them better, just Pierce Brosnan is who uh, who James Bond is to me. Because of Golden Eye for me, yeah, yeah. And in the same way, um, Christian Bale is 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 Bruce Wayne and and is Batman. Yeah, uh, you you take again. It's like Barrett. If you look at that that character on paper. That is a very challenging role to make uh, likable. Um, it's a it's a it's a wealthy white man dressing as a bat and fighting crime <laughs> at night. He made it yeah, yeah. very likable and Absolutely. identifiable, and he put that layer the layers in it that you needed. And I would argue without ever saying a whole lot, like I mean, yeah. the lines in those movies, man, they're pretty limited in terms of. You never hear Batman yeah. say some shit. And you go, oh, that was deep. No, man, it's Batman. He just wants to yeah. pound bad dudes. That's that's exactly right. And I'll say this. I grew up going to bed every night with my dad 
telling me Batman stories, making up stories for me about Batman and shit because I was obsessed with Batman. So to have that story, that character brought into my adult world in the best possible way, I I will tug off Christopher Nolan in any subway car <laughs> as long as he provides me with a blindfold at any point in my life uh, to say thank you because that seriously was like, it felt like I needed it. I still remember sitting in the theater to watch The Dark Knight and the first 20 minutes passed and I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm changed <laughs> as a person. Anyway, yeah. Christian Bale, one of the all-time greats, it goes without saying. As Barrett mentioned, you can hear us do our, our top five living I, I haven't uh, given actors. you my number five, Ross. Oh, you haven't? No. Oh. Sorry, do you, do you sorry. Number one five? more. Quickly, quickly. My number five. It's the big short. Um, the, Obviously the big... one of my uh, what's honorable mentions as well. Yeah. Um, this is one of my favorite movies of the last decade, and it's not even close. Uh, again, it, I will rewatch it any time it's on. If I see it on a plane, I'm watching it. Like, it's just a excellent 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 movie and the reason it's this low on the list is because it's such an ensemble i I love everybody in it from steve carell to ryan gosling to the little uh cameos from margot robbie and selena gomez to brad pitt um it's just all it's it just cracks man this movie cracks and his role in it is especially good it's it's one that i watch and i'm just like i can't believe this is christian bale like he captures this like nerdy accountant who's a br- who's like a whiz with numbers and he shouldn't be able to do that because of his because I know that he's like a cockney british dude. Right. But he just sells it, man, and it just go like even in these smaller roles, it just goes to show like how well he per- he can portray anything on screen. I mean, just look at the fucking range of movies that we've just talked about, man. From an action superhero to a nerdy math guy to a to a, fat junkie, con artist. to a junkie boxer, to a fat con artist, to an insane Wall Street exec. Like, it's just, dude, he can play anything and everything. And that's why he is uh, one of the goats right now, man. I think when it is all said and done, um, if he continues on this little path he's on, you, you're going to find yourself in like a Meryl Streep situation, man. Yeah, he, he easily could. He, he very easily could. If you stack 50 fucking classics on top of each other, people cannot <laughs> ignore that. And uh, for those of you who never watched it, last thing I'll say on Christian Bale, then we're out of here. Empire of the Sun. Go watch it. Go watch the dude as a child. It's crazy. We, and we, blow your mind. We, we haven't even mentioned, because we have not seen Vice or Ford versus Ferrari, another two, like, brilliant films by which all I think again I have to say uh, every single person I've ever spoken to on well I watched Vice and it was tight but it was not in my top five um, okay. at Ford versus Ferrari though at my mom one of our best friends two people I trust very 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 much are telling me this is one of the best Christian Bale movies one of the best movies I've ever seen so I can't wait to watch it and I'm assuming it will end up in my five you can go just safely bump like um yeah I don't know man fuck I don't know H- Never mind. hard to take a slot in there so Never mind. We'll, it's we'll tough Hey, Hollow It Is on Twitter and Instagram if you've got top five Christian Bale movies. I need to put up like, you know what we need to start doing is every time we do a top five, put up a gram post and people can yeah, we, it we Yeah, we, we really should. We should do that. Because that's the move. Hollow It Is with your thoughts on Christian Bale. Surely there's surely there's like a like a, a Bolin Media intern that can do that for us. Oh, God. I wish there was. Uh, <laughs> but that'll do it for today's episode of OCC. Huge thanks to our sponsor, Felix Gray. 
Go to uh, felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC to support our sponsors who are supporting us. And if you want to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Join the Knights Rewatch in April and May. Take part in this uh, final rewatch of Game of Thrones Season 8. We're three episodes in. As Barrett and I said at the top of the show, we're doing the hotline call extravaganza this week for members of the Mollusk Militia only. And then we'll be back for Episode uh, 4 of Season 8 next week on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. The first three are available now. If you have not joined the uh, Night's Rewatch, now is the time. Hell, get all three in this weekend. Barrett and I discussing all the elements of Game of Thrones Season 8, both making fun of the bad stuff and appreciating the good stuff has been a blast so far. We love it. Thank you to everybody who's uh, joined on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles, who supports this show and uh, and is getting some ad-free OCC in exchange. Follow us on social media at Instagram, uh, on Instagram at Oysters, Clams, Cockles, on Twitter at Clams and Cockles. We're on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. My name is Ross Bolin. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at WRBolin, at W-R-B-O-L-E-N, and listen to the Ross Bolin podcast, also brought to you by my company, Bolin Media, wherever you find oysters, clams, and cockles. And as I've mentioned many times, if you're, if you're listening to uh, Freeze All Motor Functions, love you. If you're watching Westworld, Freeze All Motor Functions is your companion podcast in the same way that OCC was for Game of Thrones back in the day. Freeze on motor functions. And if you love the season, like, don't worry. Our host, Jared, loves it. I mostly fry it. There's a good balance. Barrett, where can we uh, follow you on social media and hear more of your voice, my friend? Please follow me on Twitter and uh, on Instagram at Barrett Dudley. Please, please follow me. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Please clap. Please clap. Um, no, you can uh, you can follow me if you want to there. You can check out my other podcast, uh, Club Cool, where we meet at the intersection of style in pop culture, um, let's see. Last week we talked about uh, a little little sketchy Supreme drop, and we also talked about some of the best style moments from the Last Dance. Well, oh, um, which which I'm which I'm sure that that most of you are watching as well because the entire okay. World I need is. to go listen to your Last Dance fashion talk. Um, and uh, yeah, man, it's good. It's just it's good stuff over there. Same place wherever you're listening to OCC, you can find Club Cool. Just search for Club Cool. Club Cool is awesome. If uh, if you enjoy Barrett and you're into pop culture, fashion, style, I mean, uh, he's they, him and Phil do an incredible job on Club Cool of making all that stuff uh, fun and interesting to talk about. Even for people like me where it's not necessarily my bag, it has become more of my bag over the years by just being best friends with you. But uh, no, man, dude, I can't get over the... Sorry, last thought. I can't get over the fucking Jordan starting with swag and like the right idea, at least sort of fashion wise, and then hitting the point where he was like, "Nope, fuck all y'all, Jankos." Yeah, and we and and we talked about that. God oh, we damn. talked about that. He came out of college a a swaggy young buck with two gold chains, fucking Hawaiian dunking on everybody, shirts and matching shorts and shit. Just the crate just he had he had incredible style, and then it was it. It's funny because it's the richer he got, the richer yeah. he got, the worse his style became. Because it, dude, the more money you have, the let it can't tell me nothing. Wait till I it get my like, money you know right. You know what's tight? Suits that are are that require as much fabric as like an entire set of king, of king sheets. <laughs> <laughs> so much extra fabric, man. Why? Anyway, yeah, Club Cool available wherever you listen to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. The Ross Poland podcast also. Check them both out. Uh, appreciate y'all. Have a great week. Rest of the week until our next helping. Adios, muchachos.